0: by hosts guests and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station its parent company telesouth media its staff management or advertisers content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of telesouth
1: media incorporated now join us for advisors roundtable with your hosts certified financial planners Greg Cooley, and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life.
2: Welcome to the Advisors' Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly Greg Cooley with you right here on Supertalk Radio. So Bubba, of all the people who are listening now, whether they're at home, the office, in the car, streaming us anywhere in the world, what do you think their top five or six financial worries are? Are. You know, if if we were to just stop somebody at a at a four way stop and say, "What are you worried about financially?" You know, is it uh, the balancing the checkbook? Is it having enough life insurance? Do they know anything about their four hundred one k? What? So,
0: n- number one, I'm going to say it's going to depend on the age of the person that you ask, mm. right? But I'm going to overgeneralize here because I'm good at that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say that the number one worry of most individuals. Um, you know, across the board is, Mm -hmm. am I going to run out of money in retirement? Mm -hmm. And I would say that's probably the biggest concern that most individuals have. They they don't want to get into retirement Mm -hmm. and run out of money and, you know, I, I say it jokingly sometimes, but I, I, I it's also kind of sad to right, see it. Right. You know, are they going to be eating cat food? Right. Right. Yeah, and that's I, a, a good
2: vivid image yeah, of,
0: yeah, Hey, yeah. you know, this is serious. Right. You better get serious about saving money now for your
2: retirement because mm-hmm.
0: you're not going to be able to do it when you're not working.
2: And social security is probably not going to do it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So some of this, most of this mm-hmm. is going to be up to me. Most of my financial decisions are up to me. Right. So we take that number one worry, which is, you know, what am I going to do in the future? And have, I do well, will I have enough resources to get me through? Um, and then you get through, mm-hmm. <laughs> you get, you know, you get through yeah. this life. Right. And a number of people tell me they have concerns about what happens when they're gone. Right. Am I leaving too many debts? What's going to happen to my assets? Mm hmm. Which brings me to our guest today, Amrit Spites, who is an attorney with Spites Law Firm down there in Tupelo. It's always great to have you around, Amrit.
3: Thank you. Good morning. Uh,
2: Good to have you on the show, too. And today I want to go into um, uh, some of the estate questions, real estate closing questions, stuff like that that people normally ask you. But I'm going to ask you that question from the point of view of a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, when people uh, sit down, they come to see you. Uh, you're not out chasing ambulances. You're not one of those, right?
3: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> people come in to see me for transactional work.
2: All right. So they come in they and, and sit down to see you. Uh, related to their estates and, and the next generation, all that stuff, what are their, their major concerns? What are their major worries? What do they, they want to come see you a lawyer about?
3: Well, I think their major concern for most people, and again, this is generalized because... Your age group Mm -hmm. makes a big difference in what you're looking for in an estate plan. Mm -hmm. But no matter your age, you don't want your descendants fighting over things. You want to save up and leave up something for the next generation, Mm -hmm. but be as clear as possible. Okay. Do you see fighting? Do I see fighting? (laughs) Oh, my heavens. Well, this is a radio station, so I won't go into too many details here. But um, yes, we see some fighting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's over significant things. Sometimes. sometimes it is And sometimes it's the most Minor Trivial mighty, tri- Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A mustache cut it, The indeed. kitten You know That sort of thing
3: Mama's necklace Who did she really want to have it
2: Mm-hmm Yeah mm-hmm. And so, in order for I, I've
0: done a good job with my children mm-hmm. on this because mm-hmm. I each each and every single one of them, I tell all of them that they're my favorite.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. So I know that one day there's going to be a big squall. <laughs> well, Dad said I was the favorite. <laughs> no, he said I was the favorite.
3: I thought you said you were doing a good job with yeah. your children. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and sometimes uh, people do come in and say, you know, now Mom told me this, mm-hmm. and somebody else, no, now Mom told me this. But if mom didn't write it down, right? That mom told me thing is not really that significant from the point of the law, right?
3: That is not significant. The best advice I can give somebody is after we create your will and create your plan, mm-hmm. is to have a conversation with the entire family. Mm-hmm. It should not be a surprise. We don't need to have a reading of the will and everyone just have complete shock over what's being said.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Unless you get into that sort of thing. <laughs> exactly.
3: I, I did have sometimes people ask that we have a reading of the will and don't tell so-and-so I said this. Well, that's going to be interesting one day. Yeah. But um, But my recommendation for right. a peaceful, happy family right. is to write it all down and right. then have a family meeting.
2: Okay. All right. So would you suggest we have this family meeting while you're present? Uh, kind of as a uh, as a referee or do you think it needs to be a, a private Kind of
3: thing. It depends on what you put in the will. Uh, if you're putting in there something complex that you're going to need a lawyer or your financial advisors mm-hmm. to really explain to them and why you chose that, mm-hmm. maybe you need somebody. Because sometimes a regular person doesn't know how to explain the legalese, mm-hmm. as I call it. Mm-hmm. But if in your will you're simply splitting things out between your family, your church, or, mm-hmm. or whoever you want to have your possessions one day, then mm-hmm. it can be personal.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and so just uh, call them all on Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. sit around the dinner table and say, hey, this is what it says now. Exactly. Maybe I had one previously and everybody thinks they knew what it said mm-hmm. and your mom and I are richer than you thought we were. <laughs> 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 that would be a great conversation, uh,
3: Maybe you? not go into too many details <laughs> about the amounts um, <laughs> over a meal, but yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, we've uh, we're one of those people Bubba says they fall into two categories so you got the one category of the people who really will eat the cat food so that the next generation can have a lot of money Mm -hmm. or they'll they have this attitude you know I put you through college dude Mm -hmm. you know I helped you out with that down payment for the house and let you leave the house with a pretty nice car um and so the rest of this is about me and mom and if anything's left over
3: That's an important conversation to have. I
2: miscalculated. (laughs) (laughs) That's what? What what were you saying? That's
3: an important conversation to have as well. Because if uh, mom and dad have been living a really, really great life and kids are secretly thinking they're about to get a big inheritance Mm -hmm. they need to have their own financial plan Mm -hmm. on their own they don't need to be relying on their parents
2: yeah because you know uh, you can get that uh, that impression Mm -hmm. if mom and dad are going to tahiti and then they're going to hawaii and then they're going to alaska and then they're the south of france and you're thinking man dad's loaded (laughs) and dad may be spending your inheritance right yeah. And you've been counting on it. Now, now, Greg, it's not spending their inheritance. It's not. It's, it's spending... dad's money. Uh, exactly. There you go. And, and see, many times, don't people already get possessive of dad's money?
3: They, they do. Uh. Especially as dad starts getting older. And that's why we need to have everything as clear as possible.
2: All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, go up and we're up against a break and, and go through the break and have people thinking about this. You know, um, uh, what are some of the nuances of my financial life that maybe I need uh, to really put down on paper? Because it'd be a good idea if you did that. going to talk about that in the next segment of the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here today. Our special guest is Amrit Spites with Spites Law Firm out of Tupelo. Um, we're specifically talking today mostly about estate planning. So Amrit, um, a, a couple comes to you and, and they, they, they say, you know, I need to get a will.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How many people in their 60s or 70s walk in and this is the first one they've ever done?
3: almost everyone who walks in is the first one they've ever done. It is surprising the number of people who don't think about it until some specific incident triggers them to go and get a will. And so nearing retirement, often it is the process of retiring. Mm. And they realize I'm retiring, I need to make sure I have enough money to live Mm. on my retirement, Mm. and I need an estate plan. Really? Yes, sir.
2: So you have a bunch of 65-year-olds. They've never done this before.
3: Absolutely. They've thought about it. Some of them have even written it down on a sheet of paper, but that sheet of paper isn't a will. No. And so, um, yes, in in their 60s, you have people coming in.
2: All right, so they went through uh, raising their children. Yes, sir. Getting up every morning and driving to work. (laughs) You know what the the, the risk factor is of driving on highways around here?
3: Yes, Mm -hmm. sir. You know,
2: disabilities and deaths happen all the time, Mm -hmm. and they went through all that, and now they're 65, and... What would have happened if they were forty-five?
3: Well, there would have been a bit of a, a difficult legal situation getting mm-hmm. through all of their assets and uh, splitting it out. It would have it would have been bad.
2: Let's let's work through that a little bit. Somebody mm-hmm. who dies intestate—that—that's technically mm-hmm. the the legal term. Somebody dies without a will. Right, right. Right. All right. So let's say you're forty-five, got a couple kids in high school, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you halfway own your house. Half, you know A lot of people around here, 45, they haven't paid off their house yet. Right. You have a couple car payments, and maybe you got a little bit in your 401k. You're not up to a million yet mm-hmm. in, when you're 45, and you die without a will. Let's say you're married. Mm-hmm. So what is, what are the laws of the state of Mississippi say related to, you know, the wife comes in and says, you know, Greg died on me. He didn't mm-hmm. have a will. And what do I do, Miss Spites?
3: Well, we're probably going to have to start the probate process. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to figure out if there are any uh, potential heirs out there. Mm -hmm. But uh, more particularly, there's a lot of things I'm concerned about since it was a married couple. Was everything in both of their names? Uh Um, Was the wife on the mortgage? Because Uh she can own the house without being on the mortgage. Will Uh she be able to pay the bills? Can Uh she refinance the house? Constant questions that start coming up immediately.
2: Oh, So, you know, if your mom just retired at 65 and got a will, and you're thinking, you know, mom made it that far, Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait until 65 to get mine. If you're a 40 or 45-year-old child listening to this, you're telling me there are major reasons for me to have one.
3: Absolutely. And then the slightly even more sad situation is what if you and your spouse are in a car wreck or on vacation and you pass away? What happens to your kids? Oh, That's probably the biggest thing I think about when I think about someone in their 40s who uh, doesn't have a will yet is what is going to happen to your children.
2: All right, so work me through that process. I mean now you've scared me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh well I, I don't want to be scared because all you have to do is, you know, come see me and get a will. There you but go. Um, but your your children are gonna have to have guardians. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna be able to own your property yet. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to be able to possess massive assets from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, really you needed to have set up a trust in your will for them. You need mm-hmm. to decide who's gonna be the guardian. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want, and you know we have great chancellors in Mississippi, but they're they're not you. And the last thing you want is a chancellor to decide who is going to take care of your children.
2: So a chancellor is basically a judge.
3: Yes, sir. It's a judge in the Chancery Court.
2: All right, and so they're making a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, best what's best for my children. Yes, I love sir. my brothers. I don't want my brothers making a decision about what's best for my kids. Absolutely. Let alone somebody I've never met. Mm-hmm. Somebody I don't know, somebody, they don't know my values, they don't know, uh, maybe they don't even know the capabilities of my children. That's true. You know, maybe one of them is a law school or a a med school kind of kid, and the other one, you know...
3: and they're going to start looking at family next. And uh, we love our family, but you can look around your family and decide which ones you want to take care of your kids and which ones you don't. So if if a judge will not know all those particulars.
2: And, uh, I tell you, you may have just talked a whole lot of people into getting a will. Because <laughs> there are a lot of wives out there looking over at their husbands and going, uh-uh, dude. <laughs> Your sister ain't getting my kids. <laughs>
3: that is the common discussion is which siblings or which set of grandparents are going to be the ones taking care of the children. I,
0: I had this conversation with some clients yesterday and, and they're mm-hmm. older and, and, you know, kind of fit into this category of being uh, at retirement mm-hmm. and have not done a will. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was talking to them and I said, look, you know, I do this every day and mm-hmm. I've got life insurance and and. And the things that I'm supposed to have. Mm-hmm. But just if, you, if you've if you done half of these things, right? Maybe you've got the right life insurance. Maybe you've got some savings, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then you die and your spouse dies. Mm-hmm. Do you want your children receiving a half million dollars, a million dollars at age 21? Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: That could be kind of dangerous it, as well. Even mm-hmm. the most responsible yeah. among us. Exactly. You know, half a million dollars.
3: And the great thing about making sure that money is in a trust is it's not that your children would not be able to use that money. They mm-hmm. could go to college. They could probably get a car, have mm-hmm. all their expenses taken care of. They just won't be able to take a world tour mm-hmm. the minute okay. they turn 21.
2: All right. So let's, there are a couple scenarios here I'd like to work through. Let's say we got a, a 45-year-old couple out there, and they're hearing all this, and she's told him that his sister ain't going to get her kids, <laughs> and so they come see you. Okay all right and they do have in our scenario they have two children one about 10 the other about 15. Mm-hmm. all right so work me through the process can i
0: can i back up a little bit yeah maybe they should have done this at age 30. oh yeah they, they the should children. have done it Absolutely. way back when
2: the, when the kids if this guardianship thing is really important mm-hmm. to us we ought to do it when we have that first
3: baby correct
2: huh in our 20s or 30s, but in this situation, they've gotten to their 40s, and now they've been shattered uh, and, and, and decided they're going to do it. They come see you. Work me through that conversation and questions you're going to ask them and information they need to bring you and other documents and all that sort of stuff.
3: Okay, so when they're coming in, I will, I will give them some paperwork because there are too many questions to go over right now, but the big picture I want to know is, who do you want to get your stuff Okay. Who do you want to take care of your children mm. um, to raise them? Mm. And then who do you trust to take care of your children's money?
2: because those may not be the same. It
3: might not because one sister might be the most maternal person who will just raise those children like they were her own, Mm -hmm. but she never can quite keep money in her checking account. So Mm -hmm. you're going to want somebody else who has a little bit more financial sense to determine what's the best course of action with their money.
2: All right. So let's talk about the legal um, uh, monikers we're giving these people. The person who is very maternal, mm-hmm. that I want to take my kids to Sunday school and make sure they do their homework, mm-hmm. what do we co- what, call them in the document?
3: She would be a guardian.
2: She's going to be the guardian. She would be the guardian. All right, so the person who's going to, you talked about a trust a minute ago. Yes, sir. Maybe putting my financial assets in there. Mm-hmm. What, what do we call the person in charge of the finances? Then?
3: A trustee. All right,
2: if you can't trust a trustee, who can you trust? Exactly. Right? That's right. And, and speaking of trusting them there are laws related to how Bubba's supposed to behave as my trustee, right?
3: There absolutely are. You have very strict, very high standards, and so you don't want to just pick anybody with to be your trustee. Okay. That's for sure.
2: All right, and you're gonna, there's gonna be some instruction in there about how this trustee's supposed to behave and what they're supposed to do for my kids?
3: Right. So even if you don't think you're going to have a, a, if you don't want to create a big trust and be a a trust fund kind of family, Mm -hmm. um, if you have minor children you pretty much have to have a trust Mm. and then you can put as many rules or as few rules as you want Mm. at a bare minimum we want to pick an age that the children will be able to access the money on their own Mm. 25 30 whatever you think is appropriate 45 (laughs) getting older (laughs) right or just they never get the money it's Mm. possible to do it that way Um, and then you want to put some rules on there at a minimum we want to take care of the children's Health oh. and their education and basic welfare. Mm. But you can put as many extra rules on that as you want.
2: Okay. So health. Yes, sir. I want them to get good health care. Mm-hmm. While I was alive, you know, I tried to keep the insurance going and I, I tried to take care of them. And when they had a sniffle, I, I, and, and I want all that to happen. Exactly. All right. Um, education. Um, while I'm alive. I want to incentivize them. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to pay for you to go to State or Ole Miss or Tennessee or Alabama or wherever <laughs> right. and partay mm-hmm. on my dollar. Mm. So uh, while I'm alive, I've got certain standards. Can I put those standards in this document?
3: You can put as many standards as you want. Mm. If you want to be extremely restrictive about going to school or grades mm. or... Um, having a job before mm-hmm. you can get the money out. Uh, there are all sorts of rules you can put on there.
2: All right. So you can basically kind of dream this up. Do you basically tell me, let's say I was one of those 45-year-old people who came in, had a few assets, had some life insurance, had these two kids. Uh, do you tell me that I need to think that this, uh, the restrictions on the trust of uh, basically describing how I would be doing it if I were still alive? Is that a way to, to y- tell yes. me to think? Yes, and,
3: and you're parenting philosophy might differ. Some people mm. are more flexible than others. Mm. If you are extremely strict and you know this is exactly how you would live, then put it in the trust. You mm. don't there's no reason not to. But if you are a much more flexible parent and you're saying, "Look, if they are healthy, mm-hmm. if they have access to money for school by the time they're 25, they can have it." That's uh, fine too.
2: Okay. All right. And so basically no will is very few wills are the same, very few trusts have the same stuff in them. You customize this?
3: You you have to customize it. You don't want to have some boilerplate you can get off the internet kind of will. <laughs> right. Because what's going to end up happening is your your children aren't going to um, be protected the way you would want them to be protected.
2: All right. We're going to talk about how a trust will protect my children when we come out of this break here on the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio with Cooley and Labus and Amrit Spites today, right here. Welcome back to the Advisors' Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners by Belavis. And yours truly, Greg Cooley with you, right here on Super Talk Radio with Amrit Spites from Spites Law Firm in Tupelo. And uh, Amrit, we're talking uh, about putting together an, an estate plan. And you made a comment about how that wills and trusts can protect my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are we protecting them from other people, lawsuits, themselves, or all Uh, the above?
3: All of the above. So um, trust money is protected from lawsuits, and it is protected from other people who might want to convince you to do things with that money that you don't want to. Uh. If there are rules on your trust... Uh, even some broad rules, that means that somebody and their potentially sly scheme cannot convince your child mm-hmm. to uh, put their money somewhere they shouldn't.
2: Okay. All right. So let's say uh, you're. we're going to move on to the 65-year-olds now. Okay. Bella. The 65-year-olds are doing the, their uh, will, and they know the spouses of mm-hmm. their two children. Mm-hmm. And one of them your mother doesn't like. Mm-hmm. One of them, your mother is convinced that is a spendthrift.
0: Yeah. One of them's the favorite son-in-law like me, like you, <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. right. And one of them's like me, yeah. uh, an opinion opinionated guy that your mama doesn't like, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they don't necessarily want those people, maybe who are not their blood kin.
3: Well, absolutely, because you you don't necessarily know. We, we all hope the best for our children, but you don't know the direction their marriage will take one day. Uh-huh. And um, if you're making, depending on when you're making this trust, you don't know who they'll marry or remarry. Mm-hmm. And so you have to plan in mind that this money will go to your child to take care of your child and potentially your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And in the case of divorce, it will not be... Um, over. It won't even be in the pool.
2: Okay. If it's in a trust.
3: If it's in a trust. But if
2: my mama left me a half million dollars in my name, and along the way, you know, my wife decides to divorce me, if mm-hmm. somewhere along the way she's convinced me that I need to put her name on these assets.
3: If y'all put it in your uh, checking accounts that you have together, then you are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Of course, you, unless you have a wonderful wife, you'll never divorce. But nonetheless, <laughs> right, right, right. But
2: somebody maybe maybe uh-huh. may you're single, Indeed. and somebody suddenly thinks you're more handsome than you were yesterday. When we found out that now you've got a half million dollars, right? Uh, and there are a number of people who could talk me into schemes, mm-hmm. like yeah. business schemes and other mm-hmm. sorts of things. So if you don't want any of that to happen, and you're, you're you you want to protect the money, not just to protect me and take Mm -hmm. care of me but my children a trust is the way to go right
3: it absolutely is and I know we sound like really suspicious people but Mm -mm. it's a pretty simple process just to make sure and have that protection so if you end up dealing with these scenarios in the future you won't have to worry about it
0: I I like to tell people from time to time that that you plan for the worst Mm -hmm. and hope for the best Absolutely. absolutely
2: yeah yeah especially when it comes to your children right whether we're talking about estate planning mm-hmm. or or wills or trust or what they're going to do after college, you, you got all that in You'll your You'll risk
3: head. a lot for yourself, but you don't want to put those risks on your children. Say
2: that again. That, that That's very profound.
3: You'll risk a lot for yourself, yeah. but you don't want to put those risks on your children.
2: No, you won't. Uh, and, and most people want, even when they think about it. It's like, oh, I'll take this $100 and... You know, I'll spend it on such and such, but that $100, if you're thinking about it from the point of view of already belonging to your kids Absolutely. or your grandkids, then you're going to be more restrictive and careful um, and concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, the other thing I think r- related to selling a trust to somebody is that it may protect me from me.
3: Yes, because... If you have a trust, that means that you're still, your, your grandchild, okay, mm-hmm. is still um, living their life and growing and getting a degree and getting their job. And this is, instead of being something that they could blow or make poor choices with, this is money that they have as a backup to always have for health, for education, for those things that are really vitally important. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a way to amplify their life. Yeah. And it's a blessing blessing yeah yeah
2: and you know if i'm one of those people that from time to time makes poor choices Mm
3: -hmm.
2: with my monetary decisions
3: yeah
2: if you have left me the money and put it in a trust and has some of those restrictions we talked about earlier and i got to go through a trustee to get it Mm -hmm. it's not like taking it out of my checking account when nobody's watching
3: it is not
2: and so it helps with the accountability thing,
3: And if you have a slightly more flexible trust and mm-hmm. a trustee who really has their head screwed on straight and your child or grandchild can make their case to that trustee for how exactly this will help them, mm-hmm. then maybe they'll get their money for their projects. Mm-hmm. If it falls into those flexible rules mm-hmm. and they can convince mm-hmm. this trustee, then... Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's open
2: because not every uh, idea for a new business is a harebrained idea.
3: Exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, sometimes it's actually legit. I mean, in our society, the majority of new jobs are created by small businesses, so we want those to be financed and mm-hmm. backed, and and give you an opportunity to be who you want to be. Yes, sir. I mean, if that wasn't a possibility, then you know, how would you own your own law firm?
3: Exactly. You know? Yes, sir.
2: And so if somebody had left money to you and you had a really good idea and a business. I'd come up with a
3: business plan. And I would present it to the trustee and Mm -hmm. convince them and and they would allow me some money to start up my business. And that's what you want for your children and grandchildren.
2: It is. Now, in this part of the world, we hear the word trust. Mm. We think of trust fund babies and Ah. we think of rich people like Vanderbilts Mm -hmm. Kennedys and Buffett and people like it. Right. Right. You don't have to be very, very wealthy.
3: No. Uh, a lot of people, and especially y'all's clients, they're going to have life insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have something. They're going to have a house. Mm. So even if you don't personally think, if even if you're living a little bit closer to paycheck to paycheck, only putting a little bit aside, there's still going to be something you haven't thought of that's mm. going to go to your children. And if it's cashed out and given to them right at that moment... Mm.
2: It's probably going to be gone.
3: Exactly. Pretty quickly.
2: What's the stat? Bubba, the average? 18 months. The mm-hmm. average 18 is...
0: 18 months is the average that most inheritances are spent. It doesn't matter addressed. the size. Yeah. It could be $10,000. It could be a million dollars. The yeah. average says that 18 months, those inheritances are spent.
2: You know, there are a lot of people listening to us, and they're thinking, there's no way I could blow a million dollars. I can help you blow a million dollars this morning.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I can I do could. it
2: before, before <laughs> lunchtime. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We buy a couple of houses and a couple of cars, mm-hmm. and you know the right kind of cars yeah. here. Uh, Don't forget a boat. <laughs> yeah, we can get a <laughs> yeah. boat, maybe even interest in a plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can uh, sign some papers here, and it'll be gone. Mm-hmm.
3: Things change when you have that much money in your name.
2: Yeah, yeah, your perspective changes, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it really does. So you're talking to these sixty-five-year-old people, and they've never done a will before. Mm-hmm. They probably have different set of documents that they need to bring to their initial meeting with you than the 45-year-olds do? Well,
3: one thing that I'm looking at with your 65-year-olds is we're creating a will, and we we might create a family trust, but I want to make sure that they can avoid the expense of probate, if at all possible. So what I'm going to start looking at with that age group is making sure that they have beneficiaries listed on everything, on all of their accounts, um, that they have someone else, a life estate with their house or somebody else listed on their house so that all of their assets also belong or will immediately go to someone else so that, right. that they can avoid. You okay. talked apart. about
0: the cost of probate. What does mm-hmm. that cost? Yeah.
3: Well, um, an inexpensive one I heard of recently was about $3,000, mm-hmm. and that's on the low end. And I, I think most people, including myself, would find that to be a pretty large expense. And when you compare that to the somewhat lower cost of just sitting down, having a meeting with an attorney and planning ahead of time, Mm. it's it's not really a comparison.
2: So the incentive to avoid probate is maybe cost related. It's also time, time, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Correct. So you typically estimate six months to get through probate, but that's when we're not dealing with restricted courts due to COVID and cases being behind from when they were shut down. Mm -hmm. It would be extremely tough.
2: And six months is probably where things go fairly smoothly. Bubba and I are not Mm -hmm. into it over what Mm -hmm. grandma had.
3: Right, right.
2: And we start challenging one another and all of those sorts of things, and all you lawyers mm-hmm. get rich. And...
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: really? it's yes. It gets expensive. It
3: is. And and like I said, 3000 that's the lower end. That's a simple estate where where they actually had a valid will, where everything was clear. We're mm. not talking about a contested will.
2: Okay. So you can help me try to avoid that with mm-hmm. trust and with uh, titling assets yes, and... Uh, You know, use your number, $3,000 to go to probate and six months out of somebody's time, the executor, Mm -hmm. or a few documents. Exactly. And a few hundred dollars, maybe. Yes, sir. Um, So why am I avoiding it? Is it that I'm admitting the fact that I may die one
3: day? I, I think a lot of people just find it to be a depressing conversation mm. or either a depressing conversation or what I hear a lot is my family wouldn't fight. <laughs> Not my family. Yeah. They love each other uh, and uh, they do. But just because they love each other doesn't mean they're going to have to go through the time and expense to go to court. Uh-huh. So you need a little bit more than love to uh, to have a peaceful ending and transition to your children.
2: Yeah. Uh, my dad, who was a retired minister, used to say, you ever heard about people fighting in a church? If they'll fight in a church, they'll fight at a courthouse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially over money. And you think they want, and you think everybody's okay. And maybe your kids seem to love each other, but mm-hmm. what about all those in-laws? Right. Hey, and you know, they get along? Definitely
3: um, not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, one thing that I find a lot is people saying, well, you know, look, I'm just a country boy from Mississippi. I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I hear that a lot. But if you have a house, mm-hmm. how is the house titled? Mm-hmm. It is not automatically going to go to your kids unless you prepare in advance. Mm-hmm. That life insurance policy, most people might not even think about it, but if life insurance, it doesn't always go straight to the person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it it gets twisted up there. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there are it a lot of people. It may go to the ex-spouse because you never change it, the exactly. Yes, you may never change the beneficiary.
3: Yeah, you might have a checking account where you're the only name on it, okay. and you're the sort of person that kind of hoards their money. And so you you have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars sitting in a single checking account. Uh-huh. If it only had your name on it, they're going to have to go to court to get in there.
2: And then it will be divided up in children's portions, right? Absolutely. So, I thought automatically it's going to go to my wife because she's my wife. Mm-hmm. She may get a child's portion of some of my assets that were mistitled. Exactly. A uh, lot of things to think about there. Uh, I hope we have spurred some of that thinking in you as you listen to the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk. Hang in there with us for one more segment because there are a couple more juicy things we want to talk about right here on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk Radio with Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. And today our special guest is Amrit Spites, who is an attorney with Spites Law Firm, and uh, here today to talk to us about estate planning. So we've talked about wills, and we talked about the need to retitle things and trusts and, and guardianships for children and all that stuff. What if I own a business?
3: Oh, wow. You have to plan for that, too. Mm -hmm. No one thinks about their business. No,
2: that's the reason I wanted to spend an entire segment on this.
3: In their head, they know what they want to happen with their business. They think... Well, my business partner is going to take over. Or they think, well, my son, he's been growing in the business. He, he would take over my portion. But that is not assumed. Okay. So what I suggest everyone do is create a business succession plan. It, okay. It's kind of like an estate plan, but for your business. Okay. And um, most businesses in our area are LLCs. Okay. All right. And with an LLC, you have to create something called an operating agreement. And in that operating agreement, you create the rules for your business. Okay. And one of the rules needs to be. If something happens to a member of this business, what happens to their share?
2: Okay. Alright, so let's just say Bubba and I own the Tidley winks business, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we're doing real well and it makes a, a, a couple, billion dollars a year. Oh yeah, <laughs> wh- while we're dreaming, yeah. right? Let's <laughs> just say each one of us make $100,000 a year. It's okay. a, a decent little business on the side. we got a couple of employees, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And we're floating along here. We've been doing this for, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I I suddenly don't wake up this morning. Right. I die in my sleep, all right? If it's an LLC, mm-hmm. the operating agreement would do what?
3: That would tell you what happens to the business and who gets the remaining shares.
2: Okay, so Bubba owns 50%, the 50% mm-hmm. share ownership or whatever mm-hmm. of the LLC, and I own the other 50. Yes, sir. Did Bubba go into business with my wife?
3: He did not.
2: He loves her and he likes her. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. But he went into business with me. Yes, my sir. capabilities, my knowledge, my experience, mm-hmm. my contacts, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's who he's in business with you. Now I'm gone. My 50% belongs to my estate.
3: It does if your operating agreement did not specify. Uh Most operating agreements have some somewhat vague rules you can try to follow. But that's why, (laughs) just being honest, if you get your operating agreement off the Internet, you probably haven't studied it enough to really know what it's saying. Right. But uh, that's why we would create an operating agreement that clearly stipulates what should happen to that portion of the business.
2: All right, so now from Bubba's point of view, Mm -hmm. what does Bubba want to happen? He doesn't necessarily want to be in business with my wife or anybody else, if I'm not here, probably. Mm -hmm. And he wants to have the whole shebang now. Sure.
3: So my recommendation is to put in your operating agreement that when a partner, and we're having a 50-50 partnership here we're Mm -hmm. discussing, when one partner passes away, the living partner uh, has the option, typically 30 to 60 days, to buy out that portion of the business and to give that amount to their spouse. Okay. That is my recommendation. And that's
2: probably what my wife wants to do Mm because she doesn't want to run a tiddlywinks business. No, she does not. She would rather have Bubba's money.
3: Right. Right. And a lot of businesses, the owners are kind of, not not always have that kind of cash flow. Uh-huh. And so that's when they need to come to their financial advisors and possibly get a life insurance policy. Okay. Where the purpose of the life insurance policy is so that the remaining owner of the business can buy out that spouse.
2: Okay. And we'd put all this in our operating agreement. You sure would. Would we kind of uh, beforehand work out how much it was going to cost? How much my wife would get? Like a, uh, a, some kind of multiple mm-hmm. of sales or profits or something like that?
3: You could come up with a system on your own, but you might want to hire a, a put in your operating agreement to hire a business appraiser. Mm. And, uh, and if there's a dispute over how much the business is appraised for, you could get a second and come to a middle ground there.
2: All right. So in my example, Bubba and I were each taking on $100,000 uh, $100, a year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Uh, you know, how much would you pay... For an income stream of $100,000 a year?
3: Well, that you is know, a, it's right. a good question. You know, it's a isn't? good question.
2: Yeah, that, as you said, mm-hmm. a business valuation person, CPA, financial mm-hmm. planner, attorney, somebody needs to. Help me there.
3: And, and you, you
0: ask old stingy Bubba over here, and I'd say, <laughs> Well, Greg, you know, I, I think that's worth $250,000. Uh huh. Exactly. But I got to be careful making that offer because then that's, uh, you know, kind of a baseline of what you would pay me as well, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So what's that going to do to your wife yeah. and your kids? So if, if it were my $100,000 that I was getting ready to sell, I wouldn't do it for less than $2 bucks.
3: <laughs> but you. Yeah. See, you're having this uh, argument in your head. You know mm-hmm. how you wouldn't have that argument is to stipulate in the operating agreement that a third party will be making this call. okay. And who those third parties would be.
2: Okay. All right. So that, that's the way just to keep my wife from hating mm-hmm. Bubba. I mean, she loves him now. Mm-hmm. But yes. You, you know, he, he does that $250,000 offer to her. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, she's going to be coming seeing you.
3: And it could be that your wife is unfamiliar with the business uh, and uh, doesn't really know what it should be worth. And mm-hmm. if you didn't have stipulated mm-hmm. that you're going to have an appraiser or some other third party make that call, mm-hmm. uh, she wouldn't know. And she might take a very small amount, which should be a larger inheritance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So all of that can be done in an operating agreement. Yes, sir. What if we didn't have an LLC? It's just a basic, old-fashioned partner.
3: I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> like you, that—that that is just distressing. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But so mercy. many people listening to us right now—they don't even know what they have.
3: Man,
2: you know they're running their law, their their law practice. Mm-hmm. We've seen lawyers with a bad deal. Public
3: service announcement, get an LLC. Go see an attorney and set up your business properly.
2: Right, because if you don't, you just have an old fashioned partnership here. Even if you already have an established
0: business, Mm -hmm. you can go back and and do this Mm -hmm. operating agreement later. Mm -hmm. You
3: certainly can. And uh, when you create an LLC, you have to renew that every year with the Secretary Mm -hmm. of State. Mm -hmm. So the number of businesses, when I have went to check their status with the state, it said it has been dissolved. And you no longer have that business. Really? Every year you have to update that business.
2: Okay. All right. And in that updating, you're basically telling the Secretary of State, we're mm-hmm. still here. We're
3: still here. Open for business.
2: Right. Um, and it also keeps other people from getting your name. You know, <laughs>
3: Precisely. You're, you're not protecting yourself unless you keep it updated.
2: Okay. All right. How much is uh, an operating agreement, an LLC going to cost me and Bubba before I croak?
3: I mean, a couple hundred dollars. Really? $50 to set up the LLC and then go see an attorney for an operating agreement really yes sir it is such a small expense when you think about your business's future and your family's future as it relates to your business
2: now if you're a spouse out there a husband whose Mm -hmm. wife is an attorney or you're a wife Whose husband is a financial advisor or whatever. And I'm really speaking to you now. I'm going over and, and behind and above and under the the business owner here. I'm talking right. to spouses. This'll save you headache. It may save you money. It may save you a relationship. Because Karen still wants to love Bubba. I mean she really does. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't want this to come between them. And that's the way you talk to people about these LLCs, isn't it?
3: It's about relationships. Mm. It is about relationships.
2: All right. So a couple hundred dollars, we can avoid all that. A little bit of thought?
3: A little bit of paperwork and a conversation with an attorney, and we save all this calamity from happening.
2: All right. Is it hard to find a valuation sometimes for certain businesses?
3: It might be difficult, but that is why we need to put in our operating agreement to use those third parties.
2: Okay. Somebody that does it all the time.
3: There are experts. You can find experts.
2: Because Karen would be coming to Bubba and say, okay, $100,000 a year you're going to get. I think we need to use a multiple of 20. You know, 20 mm-hmm. times 100,000, yeah, I'll get my two million bucks, I'll be happy. And Bubba says, no, I think we need to use a, a number of two.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or
2: maybe today I feel very magnanimous and loving, I'm going to make it 2.5.
3: Don't allow any of these arguments to happen. No. Put it down on paper. Say who's going to make these decisions, not either one of you, mm-hmm. and um, and how this business will continue to grow in the future after you're gone.
2: Yeah, I I agree completely. It's always good to uh, have people who are experts in fields here on the Advisors Mm -hmm. Roundtable with us. And it's great to have Amrit Spites with us today and uh, from Spites Law Firm to talk about estate planning and wills and trust and operating agreements. And I hope you've been spoken to as you listen to us uh, have these, uh, these conversations. Amrit, uh, great. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for, being for having here. me. Yeah, we'll do this again. And uh, Bubba, you know, uh, here at the Advisors' Roundtable, we're always wanting to give advice. And sometimes we don't have to give it all the time. That's right. <laughs> we just sit back and listen to somebody else who's an expert uh, do that for us. Thanks a lot for listening to us on the uh, Advisors' Roundtable at Super Talk Radio.